0: Yo, yo, it's Digsy's Baby, the podcast, episode number 13, a.k.a. A-Rod. A-Rod was one of my father's, uh, Big Ron's favorite Yankee. Now, he's no longer with us, but every time I see or hear about A-Rod, I could hear him saying, A-Rod, baby, A-Rod. And my favorite memory of A-Rod was game two of the 2009 ALDS against the Twins. Uh, I was at the game with my father, my brother, my uncle Johnny, who also unfortunately left us too early as well, and uh, a few others of the Digsy's clans. We were sitting in the upper deck, third baseline. Yankees were down 3-1 going into the bottom of the ninth inning, and Digsy's was being uh, a pessimistic, man, just a complete pessimist. The Twins brought in Joe Nathan. He was dominant back in 2009. I think he had something like over 45 saves or something like that. Completely unhittable. Like I said, I was being a pessimist. I told my family, "Let's go. Let's get out of the stadium. Let's get out of the garage. Let's beat the traffic. It's over. Nathan's going to shut us down." And then magic happened. The magic that Yankee Stadium hasn't seen in a while. And what was synonymous with the 90s Yankees, the 2000 Yankees, The Yankees nowadays, they don't have that magic. We haven't seen that magic in a very, very long time. But you know the deal. Texera led off the inning with a single. Big Ron said, A-Rod's going yard, baby. And boom, A-Rod hits the opposite field. Home run ties the game at three. Two innings later, bottom of the 11, Tex hit a home run to win the game. It hit the top of the wall or the foul pole. I don't remember, but all I remember is seeing the ball shoot straight up into the sky. The stadium went crazy. It was electric. Everybody was going nuts. And man, great memory of A-Rod in the 2009 Yankee World Series team. And like I said, it's been a long time since the Yankees had that magic uh, I miss those Yankees, and I wish the Yankees can get that magic back. But anyway, since we're talking about baseball, uh, let's start with baseball. Uh, speaking of the Yankees, they're sending mixed signals right now about the shortstop position. Uh, first, Cashman was saying he was in talks with two different agents uh, about a new shortstop, maybe Correa, Seager. Now there's talk of getting a maybe a, a one to two year stopgap at shortstop while waiting the, for the development of Anthony Volpe and Oswald Parraza, and maybe it's a bargaining tactic. Maybe he's saying that because you know he wants to get a better deal with these agents. But let's be real: there's a lot of shortstops on the market. One of these guys is going to have to take a less than market deal between Correa, Sega, Story, uh, Marcus Simeon. Um, but I really want Sega, but. If they think Volpe is close, which he showed last year, he batted 294, 27 home runs, 86 RBIs, I wouldn't mind a stopgap as long as it's, de- de- it's a defensive-minded shortstop. The Yankees have enough offense. We can forego the offensive shortstop if they can play Stella D and not make the errors that Torres was making, uh, someone like, you know, to Simmons, even though he might cost... a. Uh, Decent penny, um, but I won't mind a stopgap at shortstop if that means they could go out and get a center fielder, lock down first base, and get another arm for the rotation, a big time arm uh, for the rotation. But they're in talks with Anthony Rizzo, Matt Olson for first base. Um, I saw that they are in the market along with like 10 other teams um, for Starling Marte, who would finally fill our center field spot. And, you know, we just need two, three years of someone at center field before the Martian uh, Jason Dominguez comes to the Bronx. Uh, Last week, I said they were in on Justin Verlander. That's changed. He just re-upped with the Astros for one year, $25 million. Um, I think that's an opportunity loss because Cole and Verlander back together uh, would make sense. Um, I think that you know, he would help Cole um, and, you know, Cole pitched great in the first half, but, you know, he's comfortable with Verlander. They pitched well together. Cole had his best years in, in Houston when Verlander was the ace over there. It would have been a nice one-two punch, um, but what are you going to do? You know, we got Sevi, Monty, Germain behind Cole. Um and uh, honestly, they need one more arm, and I hope they go out and get that. And speaking of Cole, he lost the Cy Young, to Robbie Ray. He only got one first-place vote, which I assume was a New York reporter. Uh, 29 second-place votes. Ray got 29 first, one second. Lance Lynn came in third. And honestly, let's be real, Cole didn't deserve the award. Uh, he was a different pitcher in the second half of the season. Um, he was great in the first half, but once the spite attack thing happened, maybe it was his hamstring. He was a completely different pitcher in the second half of the season. Uh, Corbin Burns won over in the National League Cy Young, and no surprise, Shohei Itani won unanimously the AL MVP, and Bryce Harper won his second NL MVP. And a little tidbit that was surprising to me, and, and crazy when you think about it, all the MVP candidates, the top three in each each uh, league. Six candidates were from teams that didn't make the postseason. Um, so, hey, it just shows you that, you know what? You could put up great numbers, but putting up those great numbers doesn't mean you're going to win. It's a team sport. And speaking about not making the postseason, the Mets have finally found their man after... Everybody turning them down, being left at the altar. Billy Epler will be the next GM of the New York Mets. He's 46 years old. He was previously the GM of the LA Angels. He spent 10 years with the Yankees learning under Cashman. He rose up the ranks in the Yankees uh, Yankees uh, division into assistant GM with the Yankees. So he's experienced. Hopefully there's no skeletons in this one's closet, but I heard the Mets were using two different companies to vet the GM candidates, which is smart considering what happened with Porter and Mickey Calloway. So he'll have a busy offseason looking to rebuild the starting rotation after Noah Syndergaard just jolted from Queens this week to the sunny weather of LA. He'll be pitching for the Angels next year, $21 million for a starting pitcher who hasn't pitched in two years. A little crazy if you ask me, but you know what? Art Moreno has the money. They got to go for it. Uh, Mike Travis will only be in his prime for so long. Uh, You got Rendon, you got Otani. You know what? They need to go for it. Hopefully, Syndergaard can be the Syndergaard to pass and help the Angels out in the AL West. Uh, Stroman, Marcus Stroman responded to a tweet of him in pinstripes for the Yankees. So, it looks like he'll be out the door in Queens. So, you know what? The Mets, they only got the Grom Carrasco walker. That's not going to get it done. They need one more big-time arm. And I don't know where that's going to come from. We shall see. Will they re-sign Baez? Uh, Will they bring Chris Bryant to play? Like third, I don't know, um, and you know, hey, it's a tall task for EPLA, especially with the new owner blabbing away on Twitter. Uh, Mets fans pining for a competent franchise, and it'll be an interesting few months. Also, it will be interesting for all baseball fans as the players' union and the owners work on the new CBA. They are light years apart. It's been said that both sides are further apart than ever before, so we could see a strike. And we could see, you know, Major League Baseball miss, you know, maybe a couple of months, maybe miss the whole season. I don't think it will get to that point where they missed the whole season, but who knows? But it'll be a shame if they miss even part of the season because, you know, we only got a quarter of the season two years ago because of the pandemic. And, you know, last year was great, but get the job done. You know, universal DH, no runners on second and extra innings, et cetera. Get the job done. The fans want to see baseball, and with everything nowadays, you know, with streaming, you know, basketball, hockey, football, you know, college sports, you know what? I understand that if you have a lockout, fans will come back, but look what happened back in 95. Fans didn't want to come back, okay? It took Barry ba- uh, Barry Bunts It took Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa's home run uh, chase of Roger Maris to put the butts back in the seats, so you don't want that to happen again. Get the job done. Get a CBA signed before spring training. Let the players start spring training and let's have a great start to the season and not have to deal with any of this collecting bargaining bullshit. <laughs> Well, speaking of bullshit, the New York Knicks have been playing horrible basketball as of late, uh, one and two since last episode, four and six in the last 10. They've been outscored by 50 points in the third quarter in the last six games, something that if you watch the beginning of the season last year, it played the Knicks a lot in the beginning of last season. They just come out of halftime sluggish as hell uh, until the reserves get in there. Uh, the starters were minus 80 the the last time I checked, which is the worst starting five plus minus in the league. And the starting lineup of Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson have the worst defensive rating in NBA history. Think about that. That's insane when you think considering Tom Thibodeau is supposed to be a defensive guru, the team is not playing defense. It's horrible. And I know Fournier and Kemba are the quote unquote starters, but... At the end of the game, you don't see Fournier in there. You see Emmanuel quickly. IQ's the one closing the games. Rose has played more minutes than Kemba lately. And Evan Fournier has been benched in six of the last seven games in the fourth quarter. Tibbs going with IQ instead. Fournier played just five minutes in the fourth quarter over that stretch. So our big, the Knicks, big free agent signing, shitting the bed, not playing defense. Typical Knicks. Hopefully, they could figure it out. Uh, In the nine games that the Knicks have played in November, Emmanuel quickly is plus 69 in 183 minutes. Derrick Rose is plus 61 in 210 minutes. Fournier is minus 72 in 225 minutes. Kemba is minus 102 in 189 minutes. So, that tells everything you need to know right there. IQ and and Rose are effective. Fournier and Kemba are not. Um, In the last game against the Magic, our big star that we gave a huge contract to this offseason, the pillar of our team, Julius Randle, he was minus 21 in 32 minutes. Obi Toppin, he was plus 11 in 17 minutes. And, you know, Honestly you gotta start thinking, is it time to start, you know, thinking about starting Obi? You know how much worse can it get? Randall isn't playing good ball right now. He took 11 shots, ten of them with threes. He went four for ten from the three-point line. He's not getting down low. He's just settling for the three-point shot because he's being fucking lazy, and that's not his game. I understand that he was hitting threes at a great clip last year, 41 percent, but he's just shooting 35 percent this year, 33 percent in the last seven games. So, like I said, he's our star player. He's not not playing anywhere near last year's level. He looks like he did in the playoffs last year, even worse. He's minus 68 in the last five games. Like I said, Obi is plus 11 over the last five games. And listen to these stats from uh, Tommy Beer on Twitter. If If you're a Knicks fan and you're not following Tommy Beer on Twitter, go. He's a stats guru. Um, Randall's decline in production. Last season, 29.4% of his field goal attempts were three-pointers. This season, 36.9% of his field goal attempts are three-pointers. So, again, he's going for the easy shot. He's not getting down low. He's being lazy. He's taking the three. Uh, At the same time, his accuracy has dipped. Last season, he shot 41% from three. Like I just said earlier this year, he's shooting 35%. In the first 15 games last season, Randall attempted 61 three-pointers and dished out 92 assists. In his first 15 games this season, Randall has attempted 94 three-pointers and dished out 75 assists. So what does that tell you right there? He's going for the easy shot he's being lazy. He's not looking for his teammates. He's not doing the dirty work. He's playing the one man show that Randall game that he always played before last year. And if this regression continues, the Knicks are fucked because we need Randall to be the most improved player Randall that he was last year, not the old selfish Randall. And you know what? I know this is a diss on Randall, but he's the main Culprit here, Randall. He he needs to be a star. He needs to carry the team on his back. He's not playing defense. He's he's settling for the easy shot. He's not looking for his teammates. And looking at the worst plus minus among all players that have logged at least three three hundred minutes this month in the month of November, Julius Randall leads them all by a wide margin. Julius Randall's minus one hundred six. Anthony Davis is minus 64. Russell Westbrook is minus 58. And to look on the other side, someone like Steph Curry, who is completely balling, he hit nine three-pointers in three games in a row. I I saw a stat somewhere on Twitter that Ray Allen had like one of those games in his career. Some of the best shooters in, in the world has had maybe two or three of those games in their career. Steph Curry did it three games in a row. He is the highest plus minus in November, sitting at plus 135. So Steph Curry's getting it done. The Warriors are absolutely balling. And if you ask me right now, who's going to win the NBA championship, I'd put every cent I have on the Warriors. The Warriors are uh, in a league of their own right now. They're playing great. And it's crazy to think they don't even have Klay Thompson yet. Klay Thompson will be joining the team uh, by the new year. And once Klay Thompson gets on that team, man, Watch out, man. It, it looks like the Warriors teams from before, the year before they got KD when they were completely dominant and the Warriors are the team to beat right now. Um, But back to the Knicks the bench is outplaying the starters. And that's why the Knicks destroy every second quarter spread because the bench is way better than the starting five right now. And honestly, it's time for Tibbs to shake things up. Um, I understand that Randall got the big bag. He got the huge contract. But send a message, Tibbs. Start Rose, IQ, Burks, Obi, and Noel next game to let the starters know, shape the fuck up. Up. Um, I really don't know what's going on in the locker room. Uh, I doubt they're going sour on Tibbs because he got high praise from everyone last year. But it just boggles my mind. And it, as a Knicks fan, you just think that typical Knicks, it's too good to be true. You know, like last year was an outlier. It's not going to be, you know, Permanent, and it's very sad to see that the way they're regressing, but they got the Rockets Saturday night, which honestly, in the month of November, it's as much a must-win game that can be in November, because after the Rockets on Saturday, they got a six-game stretch against a gauntlet of contenders. They got the Bulls twice, the Lakers, the Hawks, the Nets, the Nuggets. So they better shape up and shape up fast, or they could be looking at a losing record by December. And Like I said, as Knicks fans, the season started so good, that great double overtime win against the Celtics. They started five and one. It was amazing. Bing bong. You know, ever since everybody's fucking adopted bing bong in New York, the Knicks have went down the rabbit hole. So I think it's time to retire bing bong because ever since bing bong came into Knicks fans' minds and into Knicks fans' mouths, the Knicks have sucked. So Diggs is saying it right now, it's time to retire bing bong and stop with the nonsense and get back to hard-nosed defense, team basketball, because that's what the Knicks played last year, and that's when the Knicks were playing great basketball, and they need to get back to that basketball very soon because this season could start slipping out of their hands. All right, the Rangers won four in a row before losing to the Maple Leafs 2-1 last night, but it was a great hard-fought game by the Rangers. They look great. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Sunday night was an electric game against the Devils. Adam Fox started the scoring with the backhand top-shelf goal, which was amazing. This guy just continues to amaze me uh, every time he's on the ice. He's an amazing player. I love Adam Fox. And speaking about amazing, real quick, To go off on a tangent, Connor McDavid, man, it seems like once a week, this guy just does a highlight play. We all know what he did to the Rangers Um, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, when he went through four defenders last night against the Winnipeg Winnipeg Jets. He did the same thing going through three defenders. When When he turns on the afterburners and he gets skating, man, he cannot be stopped. Bing, bang, boom, through three defensemen. Top shelf over Hellbuck. Man, what a goal. Connor McDavid is a special player. And um, there was a lot of drama this week. John Tortorello came out and said that Connor McDavid needs to change his game if the Oilers want to go anywhere in the playoffs now. Us as hockey fans, we all know that playoff hockey is different than regular season hockey. Things get tightened up. Refs don't call as many penalties. It's tougher to score. But you know what? He's the best player in the world right now. Let the kid play his game. He didn't have the supporting cast. He has a supporting cast now. Dreisaitl is killing it. I think he leads the league in points right now. Uh, You got Nugent Hopkins. You got a few other good guys down there. But you know what? Let the kid play. Tortorella. But you know what? Tortorella... You know he's always been outspoken. You saw that when he's with the Rangers. So he's just trying to get clickbait, and he definitely did get clickbait. Um, but back to the Rangers. Capo Caco finally got his first point of the year on a Alexei Lafreniere goal. Um, great goal by Lafreniere. It's great to see that the youngins get going and. Kako followed that up with a goal of his own. Two points. Big night for Capo. Kako. Uh, the Rangers were in the lead 3-2. It looked like it was over, but bad defense allowed the Devils to tie the game up. Uh, three Rangers forwards deep in their own zone, allowed the Devils to get out and score. Uh, bad discipline from the Rangers. Tied game. We go to overtime. No goals. So we head to the shootout. And Georgiev's five hole, five hole during the shootout was getting abused. The, the Devils were abusing Georgiev scoring through his five hole, all shootout long, but he redeemed himself with that skate save in the seventh round, which was amazing. He kept the Rangers in, kept the Rangers alive, and then boom, Chris Kreider, who never takes a shootout, got the game-winning goal seven rounds long. What a shootout. It was a, a great game, big win for the Rangers, and the big news coming out of the game was P.K. Subban with another dirty play on Sammy Blais, uh down in the corner. Blay tore his ACL. He's out for the year. And honestly, my question is, where was Ryan Reeves the rest of that game? Why didn't Ryan Reeves retaliate? Why didn't he do anything? The team brought, Drury, brought Reeves into being a forcer. He didn't do anything, but the next game against the Canadians, he completely destroyed one of the Canadians in in a fight. I forget who it was, but he demolished him. Uh, The Rangers beat the Habs 3-2. Capo Caco got his second goal of the year. He started a nice point streak, which he kept alive last night against the Maple Leaf. And uh, Julian Gauthier got the game-winning goal coming into the lineup to replace Sammy Blay. And there's been a lot of talk about Gauthier. Can he get the job done? He did. Um, It's surprising that he didn't play more last year because... He creates so many opportunities. He's been playing very well. And I think we'll see big things out of Gauthier uh, the rest of the season. Uh, the Rangers won four in a row. They had points in nine of 10 games after the Canadians win. And you can tell that the Rangers are faster, tougher under Gallant, and they're really starting to click. But last night's game was a tale of two games. The Rangers were sluggish in the first two periods. They only got six chances. They turned it on in the third. They got nine chances in the third. And honestly, if they played like that all game long, maybe they could have won. They lost 2-1. to one. Dryden Hunt got the lone goal, his first goal, as a New York Ranger. And like I said, Capo Kako got an assist. He now has a three-game point streak. He's been playing with confidence. And I think I think he'll show some good things the rest of the year. And I'm really excited. Kako's starting to come along. Gauthier's playing great. If Lafreniere could step up a little bit. Uh, after the game, Gerard Gallant said we played the right way. If we play this way, we're going to win a lot of hockey games. The reporters were like, Why aren't you upset? He's like, Hey, you you see, sometimes I'm upset after a win. I can't complain how we played last night. If we play like this, we're going to win a lot of hockey games. So the Rangers are 10-4-3, two points out of the first uh, in the Metropolitan Division. It's been hot and cold, but you can't complain. They're playing very, very well lately. They're starting to gel as a team. And there's rumors that they're looking for a top six forward to replace Sammy Blay. I've heard maybe Joe Pavelski. But my question is, what about Kratzov? Okay, why won't they give this kid a shot? Put him in the lineup. What What's the worst that can happen? But they got the Sabres Sunday night. And then next Wednesday, the big game against the Islanders, Thanksgiving Eve at the new UBS Arena. Diggsies will be in the arena. I'll be there and I'm really pumped to see the new arena and to have a brand new state of an art arena uh, to go to the rivalry games between the Islanders and Rangers at and not having to travel all the way to the Garden for a game. So the Rangers are clicking on all cylinders. The Knicks look like shit. What are you going to do? Hopefully the Knicks turn it on, but you can't complain as a Ranger fan right now. All right. Well, the Giants were on a bye this week. They got a big game Monday night against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Remember what happened? Daniel Jones' first start of his career in Tampa Bay. Hopefully he could bring that back. Giants get a win in Tampa Bay. I don't know about that, but hey, we'll see. Uh, The Jets lost again, and the Mike White experiment looks to be over. The Jets fans had two weeks to enjoy the Mike White uh, experiment. and Joe Flacco starting for the Jets this week. They said Zach Wilson's knee is okay. Zach Wilson's feeling better. He, Robert Sala said he just doesn't have his confidence. So it, the Jets are in a clusterfuck again with the quarterback position. Like wh- I understand you play in Miami. They blitz a lot. You don't want Zach Wilson to get beat up. But you know what? How is this kid going to learn if you keep protecting him against? Teams that play great defense and blitz, blitz a lot. Like I don't understand the thinking there. You put in Flacco when they pretty much throwing them to the wolves, let them get killed. But you really got to think next year, heading into the season. Like it, it, Salah said that Mike White is a part of their future. So you're gonna have a quarterback battle between Mike White and Zach Wilson. Like maybe that's why Zach Wilson's confidence is at an all-time low because you're talking how Mike White's a part of the future. Like. Why not come out and say this is Zach Wilson's team? I don't know what they're thinking over there in Jersey with the Jets, but honestly, it doesn't look good. Uh, they got killed again this past week. And look at that. Just like that, the Kansas City Chiefs are back in first place of the AFC West. Uh, Mahomes had a monster game, five touchdowns. It was a great game. The Chiefs looked like they got their swagger back, but you know what? We'll see if they have their swagger back after they take on a tough Cowboys team this week. So that will be the best test for the Chiefs to see if they got their swagger back. The Rams, they get OBJ. They looked horrible Monday night. And you really got to wonder, is Odell Beckham Jr. a team killer? Because the Giants played like shit while he was there. The Browns played like shit while he was in the lineup. The first game with the Rams, they lose. Stafford was trying to force the ball to him right off the bat. First play of the game, interception. It didn't look good. And honestly, I'm worried about the Rams right now because, like I said, I got a future bet on the Rams. It doesn't look too good right now. They need to figure things out. Robert Woods went down with an ACL. So thank God they got Beckham. But I don't know. In Ramsland, they need to figure it out. Beckham needs to play his role. It's Cooper Cup's offense. They get him the ball a lot. Are they going to take some targets away and give it to OBJ? We shall, shall see. Now, speaking about wide receivers, big drama in Tampa Bay for Antonio Brown once again. Just like Odell Beckham, drama finds this man. He's been accused of atta- obtaining a fake COVID-19 vaccine card. This is from Adam Schefter. Um, any attempt by team personnel or players to use a forged or fake vaccination card would be reviewed on the NFL's personal conduct policy. It would also be a federal criminal offense. The Times reported Thursday that according to Steven Ruiz, a former personal chef for the wide receiver, Brown had his girlfriend friend Middle Sidney Moreau reached out to Ruiz over the summer to obtain a fake vaccination card. That said, Brown had received the Johnson & Johnson shot. According to text messages provided by Ruiz, Moreau offered $500 for the fake card. Ruiz said he was unable to require a fake card for Brown, according to the report, but that the wide receiver a few weeks later showed him ones he had for him and Moreau that he said he had purchased. Brown reportedly was unwilling to get the vaccine because of possible side effects. It is unclear if Brown later received a vaccination shot. Again, drama for Antonio Brown. And honestly, if this comes to be true that he's not vaccinated and he's been showing a fake vaccination card, honestly, he's gonna get suspended. And you know what? This might be his last chance. Just like I said last week, it might be Odell Beckham's last chance in LA. It might be Antonio Brown's last chance with the 10. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Patriots rode last night, beating the Falcons 25-0. I was on the Falcons. I was horrible picked by Diggsies, but here it is. Middle of the season, November, December, the Patriots are picking it up. And honestly, other than the Titans and the Bills, like who knows? Maybe the, the, the Patriots still got to play the Bills twice. Maybe the Patriots overtake the Bills. Win the AFC East once again, and honestly, it's crazy to see that. You know what? You just put in another competent quarterback in there, plug and play. Bill Belichick gets the job done, and a former Patriots quarterback, Cam Newton, re-signed with the Panthers. He scored two touchdowns, and of course, he scores the one touchdown, takes off his helmet, and goes, "I'm back." Gets a a, a personal a personal foul, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. Come on, just hand the ball to the ref. Run to the bench, act like you've been there before, but it's an exciting time in the NFL right now. It's starting to heat up, but unfortunately for the two New York teams, it really doesn't matter for us. All right, and to close out the show, let's get to a little wrestling talk we haven't talked about in a while, but there wasn't much to talk about. There's a lot to talk about right now. Adam Hangman Page is the AEW champion, and honestly, it just shows how light years ahead AEW is uh, over WWE, TNA, ROH, which is defunct now, but any other organization, because this has been a two-year-long story. Great storytelling, Page being the underdog, he gets the title shot. On the first pay-per-view, first title match in AEW history against Jericho, he comes up short, he has his issue, he teams with Omega, they win the tag team titles, he breaks with the Elite, he goes out on his own, everybody ostracizes him, and he comes back to beat Kenny Omega to be the world champion. Great storytelling, amazing work. The crowd went crazy. All the AEW fans are super happy about what's happening with Adam Page right now. Kenny Omega is gonna take a few months off. The Met, the Omega Page match got five and a half stars and Kenny Omega has a hernia, uh, a torn something in his shoulder, vertigo, a few other things. And the guy still goes out and puts on a five star plus match. He is unbelievable and he is the best bout machine. Kenny Omega right now, I know Adam Page is the champion, but Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in the world, and there is somebody that will have something to say about that, and that's Brian Danielson. And Brian Danielson came out; he's the number one contender for the AEW title. He uh, confronted Adam Page, and just like that, boom—he turns heel with an amazing promo, and boom—it's—it's it's great to see because once they brought in Danielson, once they brought in Punk, they were getting so many cheers. Everybody was happy for them. It was just a matter of time before one of these guys turned heel and you could really see them do great work because Brian Danielson does great work as a heel. He just turned heel on Dynamite. And honestly, Paige versus Brian, it'll be a great story over the next uh, you know, couple months. And honestly, you really got to think, like, are they going to have... Danielson win the title, he can't, right? Like, in my eyes, you got to let Page beat him and give Danielson his first loss, have Danielson, you know, rebuild himself, get his way back to the mountaintop. Maybe Omega wins the title again, and then you have Danielson beat Omega, you know, down the line a year or two from now, but. Who knows? Also, when Omega left on Dynamite, he was talking to the Bucks and Cole, and he said, "You know, hold things down. And Cole's like, yeah, 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 I got it. I got it. Don't worry. And he's like, oh, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the Bucks. So the seed was planted for when Kenny Omega to come back. Kenny Omega versus Adam Cole. Maybe Cole leaves the elite. Maybe they kick Kenny Omega out of the elite. I don't know. We shall see. But again, Great storytelling by AEW planting the seeds. Another great matchup we got, which will probably be the best promos in the history of wrestling. Amazing, CM Punk versus MJF. They are feuding right now. CM Punk come out. He didn't say a word. It's a little reminiscent of when Chris Jericho came out. I think it was against Kevin Owens, um, and he, or maybe it was against Punk, but he just wouldn't speak for weeks upon end. He would just come out, smile, wouldn't speak, and the other guy just got crazy. Um, but Punk versus MJF. If Punk does start speaking, those are going to be some epic. Promos and on the WWE side of things, more releases. When Vince McMahon said, "I don't know how AEW is doing with their budget, but maybe we could give them a few more other guys." After the second round of releases a few months ago, he was true because they just released another, you know, twenty people, and they've released eighty wrestlers this year. Eighty wrestlers are out of a job because WWE is cutting their spending, and you know what? It just shows that there has to be a rift between Vince McMahon and Triple H because most of these guys Triple H brought in for NXT. He was trying to build NXT up. Now Vince McMahon has his hands all over NXT. It's not going to be the indie darling show that it was under Triple H's regime. And honestly, it's, it's crazy because they're just letting these people go and Honestly, WWE is 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 pretty bad right now. Other than what Roman Reigns is doing, like Survivor Series is Sunday. Does anybody care about Survivor Series right now? Like Survivor Series used to be one of the top four pay per views, but now it's just thrown together. Champion versus champion, the teams like they don't mean anything. Like they didn't even have qual uh, qualification matches. You know, they just threw the team together and they said this is the Raw team, this is the SmackDown team. You know, granted, you got Big E versus Roman Reigns, which should be an exciting match. Charlotte versus Becky when right now there is heat backstage between Charlotte and Becky. Charlotte is acting like a diva. She wants out. She was happy, unhappy about the way the title switch went. And one thing that's intriguing me is it's 25 years since The Rock debuted at Survivor Series in New York 25 years ago. Will he show up in Brooklyn to set up a match against Roman Reigns? We shall see. Maybe it will be in Dallas. I heard maybe they want to wait for WrestleMania in LA in two years. Honestly, I don't think that's a smart idea to wait a year and a half for a WrestleMania to be in LA. WrestleMania is what? Five, six months away? Like, how like can you really keep Roman Reigns this hot for 18 months? Can you keep him this hot for six months? Definitely. Let Rock come in, let them have the match at Dallas, Rock versus Roman for the title. You know, like Honestly, like how can you keep the title on Roman for another 18 months with Brock lurking? You know, Seth Rollins is there. Honestly, I I don't I, I don't I don't think that would be a smart idea. I know Rock wants to have that match in LA. It will be his last match ever, obviously. But you know what? Get it done now. Have Rock come out in Brooklyn 25 years since his first appearance, Rock versus Roman in Dallas. WrestleMania 38. I'd like to see it. All right, that does it for Yo-Yo. It's Digsy's Baby, the podcast, episode number 13. Make sure to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow at Digsy Picks on Twitter. We have been killing our NFL picks lately. Obviously, we lost with the Falcons last night, but before that, we went eight and zero over a three-week stretch. Follow, get the picks, make some money, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Yo, yo, it's Stigsy's baby.